Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. We have been in this series lately titled Words Matter, and the vision behind this series is to teach you and prove to you, hey, your words mean something, okay? The words that come out of your mouth, you may think it doesn't matter what I said. I don't care. No, listen, according to the word of God, your words matter to God, okay? What you speak matters to God. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, the tongue can bring death or life. Think about that for a second. What you choose to speak over somebody else's dream, over somebody else's vision, over who they are can bring death or life into them, into what they do, into what they decide to do. In fact, you can speak death or life over your own life as well, over your own marriage, over your own finances, over your own relationships. Do you find yourself constantly complaining to God, God, my life is never going to get better? Or have you felt like there's been something in your life, like no matter how hard you try, it just won't go away? Maybe it's financial debt. Maybe you feel like you're always going to be stuck in this because this is how you grew up and you're never going to be free. And so you keep speaking death over your life and you're crushing the faith that God wants you to move by. So there's power in your tongue. The tongue can bring death or life. But listen to this. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Listen to that. If you love to talk, loving, encouraging words about other people, guess what? That's what you're going to receive back because what you sow is also what you reap. But if you're constantly speaking hateful words against other people, if you're condemning other people, if you're gossiping about other people, guess what's gonna come back at you? Eventually, it will come back to haunt you, haunt your character, or even torment your house. What do I mean by that? I mean that when you go to sleep at night, sometimes these things may consume your mind. And maybe you feel tremendous guilt over something you said about somebody else, but you have so much pride, it's just hard to say, I'm sorry. It's hard to repent. And this guilt is weighing on your conscience. And let me say it like this, okay? As a believer, the devil cannot take you out, but he will sure convince you to use your mouth. The devil cannot take you out, but he will use your own mouth against yourself. Because remember what I said last week, if you change your words, you can change your life, okay? If you change your words, you can change your life, especially a word of encouragement. At the beginning of this church plant, I'll always remember the car days, the car shop days when I was preaching in a car shop. A lot of you know this story. Uh, that I would be there every week preaching. But this one night I did a special event for a men's group and I did it on Facebook Live. And so I preached that night, everything went well. And then I went home and the live stream was still up and some man that I have never met before, never talked to before, did not know, got on there and just kept speaking words of encouragement. He kept saying, amen, this is good stuff. Oh, this is anointed. I love this message. And he just kept going. You have no idea how much that encouraged me because at that time, nobody was watching, okay? At that time, honestly, I'm like praying, God, is this church gonna work out? Is everything gonna be okay? I know you gave me the vision. And he's just going on and on and on. I'm like, this is good stuff, okay? Somebody I reached, you know? And he reached out to me and I'll never forget the words that he spoke to me. This is what he said. He said, listen, I just want to remind you, you can't give up. Okay, (laughs) why? Because if you give up, other people are gonna think it's okay to give up. They're watching you. They're watching your faith journey right now. Everything you're doing, they're watching. If you throw in the towel, guess what? They will too. So you can't give up. Otherwise, they will give up. 
And the weight of those words were just on me. Like, God, do I have the strength to do this? Am I able to do this? Am I able to take care of my daughter's medical conditions? Am I able to do this financially? Am I able to preach? Will anybody listen? And I realized that it was just being obedient to the Lord that God would open up these doors and bring these people. But that word of encouragement never left me. And it reminded me the power of words. One word of encouragement, one sentence of encouragement to somebody else's life, you have no idea how much it may change them. You have no idea what it can do for them and how it can impact the kingdom of God. Somebody feels lost and hurt and broken and you tell them, listen, you're a child of God. God's got something for you. He's not gonna leave you. You have no idea how that little bit of fruit produces something beautiful and changes other lives. And so this is the power of your words. It can bring life or death into any situation. And these words can stay with you for a lifetime. Listen to Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building others up as fits the occasion, okay? That it may give grace to those who hear. What does it mean to give grace to those who hear? It not only means giving them a word of encouragement, it actually means this as well, just listening. Just to listen to somebody else's problems, somebody else's pain, somebody else's hurt, not making the conversation about yourself but instead speaking words of life into them. This is showing them grace. Hey, I'm listening to you because I care, because I know what God can do for you, okay? But every time I, I say this, you know, there, there are those personality types that come into the church or I see them online and they're like, <laughs> pastor, come on, do you know me? Like, you know, when I walk into a room, I'm sarcastic. That's just my personality. I'm not really building people up. I'm not going to say you're beautiful. I'm going to say something that might hurt your feelings a little bit, but that's just me. I'm a sarcastic person. This is how I talk, and I don't care what people think. I've heard that so many times. So let me say it like this. Do you care what God thinks? Do you care how God created you in his image to speak blessings and help build other people up. Because even though you may not like this person, that person's still created in the image of God. You were not created to tear them down. You were not created to condemn them because that's what the devil does to you every single day. And you rebuke his condemnation by the truth of God's word. You are called to do the same. In every circumstance, even the situations that are hard to deal with God, you want me to love Who? You want me to love them? They have hurt me so bad, yeah. But how many times have you hurt God? By walking away, not repenting, being stubborn. I know I have many times, but every time I ran into his arms, he took me back. And I realized the truth. Listen, either way, what you speak, you're building somebody up. Either you're going to encourage other people and build them up, or you're going to put them down to build up your own ego. Listen, you know what that's called? It's called pride. And pride always comes before the fall. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. I love how this is worded. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. The more you puff yourself up, eventually you will fall. Chaos may come to your house and you will feel the weight of the words that you spoke. You will eat the fruit that you have planted. You have sowed. You will reap the consequences of your words.
So here's what I wanna do today. I wanna open your eyes to the word of God about your words, how important they are to God, but how you can also see a change. So I titled today's message this, Sins of the Tongue. I wanna talk about some sins of the tongue, three different sins of the tongue that always come to attack you if you don't put it under control. And what they want to do is rip apart your relationship with God. Every time you speak this way, you're going to produce hurt either in somebody else's life or your own life, okay? So we must get a hold of this and we must run to God. So point number one is this. I wanna talk about a tongue that lies will continue to lie. A tongue that lies all the time will continue to lie. You ever heard of a compulsive liar? They lie about everything, whether big or small, it doesn't matter. They lie so much, they don't even know what the truth is anymore. Have you ever met somebody like that? Or maybe you struggled with that. Maybe you grew up always trying to make yourself look a little better than you actually were because you wanted to be accepted. Okay, so maybe you exaggerated some things about your home, about your parents, about your life, because you were too embarrassed of some of the things that have actually happened to you. Listen, don't be embarrassed. That's your testimony. Everything you went through, the hardships, and the fact that you're able to stand here today and proclaim God's goodness, that's a testimony. You don't have to lie about your past. You don't have to lie about where you came from. Jesus doesn't want you to lie. He wants you to be real in where you have been so that he can take you somewhere new, okay? But let me say it like this, okay? So many people are confused. Like, they've lied so many times to cover up their own lies. They don't know what the truth is anymore. Did you know that the word of God tells us there are seven things that God hates? The loving God that we serve, there are seven things that he hates. And one of those things is lying lips, Okay, so turn to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, or you could look up on the screen. But Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Now, abomination in Hebrew, in this text, actually means something that's disgusting. These seven things disgust God, and I'm going to explain why in a second, okay? The first thing is a proud look, proud eyes. Meaning you're so prideful, you believe that you don't need God's help, that you're in control of everything, that you'll do whatever you want, and you don't care what the Bible says or what God is speaking over you. It doesn't matter because you're so prideful, all you see is yourself. This is a proud look. The second thing is a lying tongue. Somebody who lies all the time. Now listen, I want you to look at the next verse, okay, because you're going to see this repetition throughout the Bible. Right after lying tongue, you see this sentence, hands that shed innocent blood murder, okay? And remember, the tongue has the power of life or death. So we see murder right after that, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and then one who sows discord among the brethren, okay? Did you notice these seven things God hates? Three of them have to deal with your mouth. Three of them have to deal with the words that come out of your mouth. Either you're building people up or you're tearing them down. Either you're bringing community or you're dividing people against each other. Right now, just this week, what did you speak? At school, at work, in your family, even at the church. What did you speak when things got hard? Were you speaking in a way that honors God or were you speaking something else? Because let me say it like this. You know why it's worded that it's an abomination and it means disgusting? The reason why God says these things are disgusting is because when you speak like this, you're actually speaking the devil's language. 
The devil was a liar. He created lies in the very beginning. Everything that he speaks is a lie to torment you, to get inside of your head, to condemn you and to bring you down. So when you speak lies like that, you're speaking the devil's language, not God's. I want you to understand that. Jesus said this to the Pharisees. John chapter eight, verse 44. He said, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things that he does. Look again. Notice, notice the trend here. He was a murderer from the beginning and he always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. So when he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Satan brought in lying. So when you lie, you hurt people. That is the language of the devil. And over and over again, we see this trend, this concept of murder being right beside what you speak. I just showed you two passages. That's just two. Two passages. Why? Because everything you speak will bring life or death. You can murder somebody's hope. You can murder somebody's faith. You can murder somebody's identity by what is coming out of your mouth. And guess who that resembles? What did the devil come to do? We know what he came to do. We know what his goal is, according to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. To steal, to kill, and destroy. How does he do this with your mouth, especially when we're talking about the topic of lying? Let me show you how. These are like three sub points in between the other points, okay? So just have fun with me. But the first way he does this is he steals Lying steals your intimacy with God, your closeness with God, your relationship with God. Every time you lie, you are separating yourself from the Father. In fact, if you never come to God and repent over this and keep speaking this way or allow any sin to get the best of you, this scripture that I'm about to read is pretty much saying that's why you have unanswered prayers. You're separating yourself from the Father. He's not doing it. He's not leaving you, but you're leaving him because you're not facing a hard truth that needs to change. Isaiah chapter 59, verses one through three. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and God, talking about your sins, the sins that you're not repenting over, the sins that you say is who you are. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And again, you see the trend. For your hands are defiled with blood, murder, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. And so your tongue mutters wickedness. What is this talking about? It's talking about how you allow so much sin in your life, but you're not repenting. You're not going towards the Lord and you keep lying, lying, lying. It's going to affect your intimacy and your relationship with God. It will make him very, very distant. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're in a relationship with somebody and all they do is lie to you. What does that do? It, it breaks trust. It hurts. Do you get closer? No. If you lie, 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 it hurts the relationship. And again, if you have met a compulsive liar, how did that make you feel? You became frustrated. You become angry. You no longer listen to their words because their words could not hold weight. Get it? 
Everything that they said before was a lie. So how could you trust what is coming out of their mouth right now? Now understanding that concept, listen to this again. Isaiah chapter 59, verse two and three. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face so that he does not hear you. Okay? So what does lying do? It comes in to steal the intimacy that you should have with the Lord. And why do we lie so much? Honest truth? Because we don't want to take responsibility for our actions. We don't want to admit that we've done wrong that we did something embarrassing, that we did something we normally wouldn't do or we're giving in to something that seems like it's controlling us. These sins in your life, they want to control you. They're not just coming in and out. They actually want to control the way you think and the way you live and everything that you do, especially the words that you speak over yourself. And that's why the spirit of God has come to set us free. Jesus has come to set us free. But listen, let me ask you this question. Are you lying to yourself? Are you lying to God, not realizing that there are some things in your life and the way you speak that need to change that are hindering your relationship with God? You realize that there's so much healing when you come into the presence of God and just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about everything that I have done. I'm sorry about the words that I spoke and the fact that he still comes and just puts you in his arms and shares his love with you. Shows the love of God like never before and it changes how you think and it changes how you live. But the devil wants you to lie to steal that intimacy with God. The second way, the devil came to kill. Lying kills your hope. Lying kills your hope. Have you ever had a dream or a vision and you walked up to that one person who just crushed it all? Everything that you just said, hey, I think God's going to do this in my life. <laughs> Not you. You're nobody. I know your past. Come on, stop. God's not going to do that for you. There's no way. How did it make you feel? Let me ask you another question. Why are you listening to them? Really? Why do you listen to them? I realize that so many people can say good things about what God wants to do for you, but that one person, that's all you think about. That one person that spoke negatively against you or tried to condemn you. Listen, these are lies from the enemy to try to kill the hope that God is placing in your life. Because when God speaks, it will be fulfilled. And the only one that can walk away from that promise is you by deciding, hey, it's not going to happen for me. So I'm just going to rebel. Right? So what does the Bible tell us to do? The Bible says you can rebuke the lies of the enemy by forcing those lies to see the truth of God's word. I know what God has spoken over me. He would not abandon me. He would not leave me. As long as I'm seeking him, there is forgiveness and redemption. And I know what he can do through me because I know the promises of God. There were people messed up just like me in this Bible and God still used them. And God can use you. James 4 verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. And guess what? When you humble yourself before God, releasing your anxieties and your worries, you can resist the devil. The devil doesn't own you. He can't make you do anything. He will flee from you. And listen to this, come close to God and God will come close to you. Lying wants to attack your intimacy with God, kill your hope. And the last thing is this, the devil came to also destroy. Lying will destroy or try to destroy your soul. 
Because with any sin in your life, if you're not allowing God to see it and asking God, please forgive me of my sins, redeem me, change me, then that sin can lead to a second death because you have lost all relationship with God because you no longer care. But here's the good news. God will never leave you, and he's always there. And any time you repent, listen to this, Hebrews 13, 5, for God said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. And I say that because you're human. There's going to be days where you feel like you don't have it together. There's going to be days where you lose your cool and you say something you shouldn't have said. But as long as you recognize your rebellion, that makes all the difference. As long as it brings conviction into your life that there's a heaviness and a burden that you can't keep speaking this way or disaster will come upon you, God hears that. God knows that you want to change, but he may bring things into your life. Even allow hard situations for you to see, hey, this this is tormenting you, and it's got to change. So let me ask you this question. How do you change? If you struggle with lying, if you struggle in speaking this way, um, my best advice is, is this. Find somebody close to you, either your spouse or a friend or somebody in your family or somebody in the church that you can trust, and allow them to hold you accountable. Every time they see you exaggerate, every time they see you lie or do something that you're struggling with, and they know because you told them, okay, then you also must receive that correction because they're correcting you out of love. Offense can blind you. Offense can take over your heart. They said, what about me? Yeah. So stop and think, maybe it's true. Maybe God is trying to reveal this to me right now. And then you start to change the way you speak. A lying tongue will continue to lie. It's time to change it. Point number two is this. A tongue that divides will bring disaster upon itself. A tongue that divides people, or especially the people of God, will bring disaster upon themselves. Let me read Titus chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. If people are causing divisions among you, Listen to this instruction. Give a first and second warning, all right? Warn them first out of love. Hey, this needs to stop. After that, if they continue to divide, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. Okay, and in this passage of scripture, um, it's spoken this way because the, the early Jews were having a hard time putting everything towards Jesus, They still wanted to hold on to these traditions and they were telling these other early Christian Jews, hey, you must do this in order to be saved. And so they created division and they're making people follow religion, traditions, instead of an actual relationship with God. Do this, this, and this and you'll be okay. But again, David said, listen, when he cried out to God after his sin with Bathsheba, he said, God, you don't desire a sacrifice or I would give it. You desire a broken spirit. God desires your heart. He wants you to get to know him. He loves you, and he does not want you to be caught up in gossip or or people dividing each other. Why? Because listen, here's the warning. If you're a person that loves drama, if you're a person that stirs up people and starts gossiping about people and turns people against each other, eventually that's going to come back to haunt your own home. Galatians 5, verse 15 states it like this. If you continue hurting each other, 
and tearing each other apart. Be careful or you will completely destroy each other. And last week I talked about the difference between venting and gossip. Because I understand if somebody's stressing you out and you just need to talk to somebody to get instructions, but do not confuse your venting with actual gossip because gossip will always divide people. It hurts people. It slanders people's names. When you vent, you're actually asking God, how do I heal from this? How do I see healing in this, in this area of my life right now? Because again, secret conversations can easily create public divisions. And listen to this, actually, before I get into that, listen to what Jesus said about divisions. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. He said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. Any kingdom divided against itself is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And the devil knows. Again, the devil can't take you out as believers, but he will use your mouth against yourself and against other people. And so if he can use your mouth to gossip about other people, especially within the church, and you start dividing up the church, guess what we always hear? Well, I'm not going back to church. I'm not going back. Because if the people of God talk about me like that, then why should I go anyway? People are imperfect. People make mistakes, okay? But biblically, God, he shares with us counsel to get with that person, to have a conversation, to have other people a part of that because there can still be healing in every dark matter of your life. Do you believe that God can still do something good? And everything, and every trial that you face, and every trouble that you face, God can still perform a miracle, but you have to be obedient to what he's spoken over you. Don't act like the devil. Don't speak the devil's language. Speak light in the darkness especially within your family. Maybe, maybe even your family right now, there's so many arguments going on that everybody's divided against each other, right? And you may be saying, well, there's no way I'm gonna forgive them because I'm never gonna forget what they said about me. How could I love somebody like that, God? Why do you want me to forgive them? Because if you don't, you will become just like them. You will become just like them because out of your anger and pettiness, and frustration, every word that comes out of your mouth will also sow discord, will also divide people and tear people apart, meaning you're speaking in a way that's no better than the way they're speaking. Do you think that's what God wants for you? Do you think that's what God has for you? No, he's saying there needs to be healing and conviction And if anybody knew this, and I talked about David last week, I want to talk about David again, because David prayed this prayer over his mouth. Psalm chapter 39, verse one. I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. Listen to this. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. (laughs) There may be some days, I think about it like this. If I know today's going to be hard, let me go ahead and get that muzzle out, God, because I just want to make sure I don't speak anything against you that I don't speak anything against the people of God or just somebody else who's frustrating me. He said, I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. And this blew me away because David didn't say, hey, help me restrain my mouth while I'm around the people of God. No, he said, help me restrain my mouth 
when I'm around the wicked, when I'm around somebody who wants to hurt me, to harm me, who wants to say bad words against me, who wants to destroy my life. In David's case, they wanted to kill him. Help me, God, still not to speak poorly or bad against them. And he lived it out. Let me show you one of my favorite stories. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 4 through 7. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 4 through 7. Let me give you some background here. Uh, David is on the run. Saul is threatening him, wants to kill him because Saul is very jealous. Saul was appointed by God to be the king over Israel. But over time, he no longer walked by faith. He wanted to take control. And because of that control, he rebelled against God. And so he knew that he was losing his intimacy with God. In fact, the Bible tells us that there were demons that started to torment him. Because he completely separated himself from God. Instead of repenting, he was consumed by jealousy. You better believe that if you're consumed by jealousy or hate, there's going to be some demons in your life. There's going to be some torment in your life. He was tormented every single day. All he could think about was, how do I get David? How do I take this situation in my own control? If I take him out, then God won't replace me. And he was consumed by this. And so the Bible tells us that he actually got really close to David. Uh, But as he got closer, God intervened and did something miraculous. He sent him after the Philistines instead. And so he had to go into this battle with the Philistines. But right after that battle, he came back searching for David to kill him. And then the Bible says that he saw a cave. Now listen to this, okay? He went into this cave. And the way the Bible words, it's actually debated. Either he went to the bathroom in the cave or he took a nap, okay? That doesn't matter. Anyway, he was in the cave and he was alone. Guess who was in the cave? David and his men, his boys. And when they saw Saul walking there alone, his boys were like, oh, we got this. He is by himself. He's not paying attention. We can take him out. The Lord has handed us victory. What did David do? First Samuel chapter 24, verses four through seven. They said, now is your opportunity David's men whispered to him, today the Lord is telling you how it certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. And so David crept forward towards Saul. And this is funny to me because I imagine like in this story, they're in the back like, oh, okay. All right, he's getting closer. He's taking out the sword. He's gonna go for the, he's, he's, what's he doing? He's cutting off his robe. He's coming back. David, go for the head. Like, the head. Like, go stab him. Do you just got the robe. <laughs> and that's all he did. And he came back. And I imagine they were like, what did you just do? Here's what's powerful. David was convicted even over that. Because he knows that God positioned Saul as king of Israel. And that robe still represented the authority that God placed on Saul. And so he was tremendously convicted by guilt. And it says this, but then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this. To my Lord and King, listen, I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one. For the Lord himself has chosen him. Now listen to verse seven. 
So David strongly rebuked his men with these words and did not let them rise against Saul. And then it says, Saul got up, left the cave and went on his way. Meaning that Saul left that cave pursuing David to kill him. And David just let him go. David told his men, we will not speak one ill word against him because even though he's out to get me, even though he's trying to kill me, God put him in that position. And if that position is going to be taken away from him, it's not going to be by my hands. It will be by God's. Right now, are you so consumed by jealousy or anger over somebody that is all you speak against them trying to take away their position? Here's the clear warning. If you're consumed by this, it might be your position taken away instead. Don't let that hate to consume you. You never know what God might do. When we first moved to North Carolina, we had a very interesting thing happen one night when we arrived home from a church service. I came home and I see the police all in front of my house in the neighborhood that we were renting from at that time. And everybody was around my truck. And I was like, well, this doesn't look good. <laughs> you know. And I find out that that night, one of my neighbors across the street, whom I barely knew at the time, uh, she had drank a little too much. And she was angry with life. There were a lot of things happening. She got in a terrible argument with somebody I think she was in a relationship with. And she came outside seeing red. Guess what the first thing she saw was? My truck. And apparently she didn't like where it was parked. So she took a knife and she stabbed both of my back tires completely. Let me say it like this. I just moved out here on faith. And this was one of the first nights at the church. And I'm like, God, where did you just send me? Like, I've never had anything like this happen in my life. Like, what is going on right now? And I remember that night and, and she denied it all, denied every bit of it. She didn't do it, even though her neighbors saw it and, and all that. And so that night, me and my wife were talking and we're both frustrated. Like, how could somebody do something like that? Oh my goodness, this could have really escalated to something terrible. But all of a sudden, it's like I felt God saying, I'm gonna do something through this. Be careful with your words. Be careful with what you say. And the next morning, I have to go back to church. It's actually a Sunday morning now. And somebody knocks at the door. And it's her neighbor, the one that stabbed my tires. And at first she denied that she did it. But then after, as the conversation kept going, she admitted what she did. And my wife could have said anything. She said, how dare you? Why would you do something like that? Why would you even hurt us like that? Do you know what that put us through last night? But instead, she prayed over her at her door. And she prayed over her that God would do something in her life. You want to know why? She offered her grace because she listened. This woman was tormented by her own demons. And alcohol was her only way out, as she thought, as she had believed. But it consumed her in such a way that it allowed her to do things she normally wouldn't do. And now she was embarrassed. But instead of being kicked out, she was prayed over. You know what happened because of that? She not only replaced my tires, she loved my family. <laughs> Every week we would come home, she would buy my kids gifts I have so many stuffed animals in my house right now because she kept bringing over gifts for my kids. She loved our kids. In fact, there were days where she said, hey, pastor, come over here. I need help. And I'm thinking, I'm standing next to the lady that just stabbed my tires like two weeks ago. And now she wants godly advice. You never know 
what your words can do. And in any situation, God has not called you to speak like the darkness or speak like hateful people. He's called you to speak light and hope. Because God can do something that would be just uncomprehendable right now. And I've seen it over and over again, okay? So my last point is this, though. A negative tongue will lead to a negative life. A negative tongue will lead to a negative life. A negative mouth will lead to a negative life because there is no faith in your words that life will ever get better. This is as good as it gets. My relationships will always fail. Nobody wants to be with me. I'll be lonely for the rest of my life. This is my finances. I'll never get out of debt. I'll always make the wrong decisions. God can never love somebody like me because I've made too many mistakes. Or I don't go to church or I don't want to seek God because people have hurt me and that's all it's going to be anyway. And you keep speaking death and negativity and what you speak is how you live because it's the way that you think and it reflects your heart. And again, that's the fruit that you eat. Negativity is contagious. Every time you speak in this way, people that look up to you they start speaking in this way. And how can you impact the kingdom of God if all you're doing is complaining about your life? And that's all these people here. Why would they want a life like yours if all you do is complain, but there's joy from God? And one day I'm gonna do a message about the difference between happiness and joy because the Bible says that God gives us a joy that the devil can't take away. And it's not based on our circumstances. You could go through a hard life many trials, lose everything, but you may or will not lose your joy because of God's goodness. He will always be there helping you through. And so that's the way you're meant to speak. And let me give you this one clear example. How did Jesus speak? He knew he had to bear the cross because of our sins. You realize how easy it could have been for Jesus to be like, hey guys, get it together. You're messing up everything. Every one of you, you all sin, you all mess up, you're speaking lies, you don't understand anything that I'm teaching and now I gotta go to the cross for you? Is it even gonna change anything? Is it gonna change you? What if Jesus spoke like us? Would you want Jesus speaking like you right now? He never spoke doubt. He never condemned. Even when his words seemed a little harsh, it was, it was done in such a way that opened eyes and opened ears to hear conviction so that they would run to him because he always said, listen, if you just run to me, I'll save you. And so looking at the cross, Jesus said, this is what I must bear. Save the world, to save you. And you know it's crazy because this is something that's very difficult and hard. But Jesus didn't complain about it. He actually told his disciples, and he's telling you today, you must do the same thing. Every bit of it, bear your cross. There's some things in your life that are holding you back. There are some things in your life that are attacking you. There are things in your life that are separating you from God. It's time to release it all and bear the cross. For to lose your life in this world is to gain life, eternal salvation, a joy. I know where I'm going. I know who covers me. I know what I need to do. That's a blessing. 
It is such a blessing to speak about a trial and yet still offer hope. God is good when life is good, but God is also good when life is bad. Because where we're going, one day there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more hardships, none of that. But when you speak negativity, do you understand you're speaking unbelief? How do you fight it? If this is how you speak, how do you fight it? Hebrews chapter three, verse 12 and 13. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But instead, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of your hearts may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. How do you fight it? You encourage each other. You build each other up. You give hope to each other. You say, let's keep walking in faith. We may not understand this today, but God does. And Jesus said, Mark 8, verse 34, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You know what faith is? Because I get it that there are some people that will attack you because of your faith. There will be people that make fun of you or bring sarcasm and like, really, your life's gonna change? You don't see all these problems? Listen, let me make this very clear. Faith does not mean you don't see the problem. It means you see the problem very clearly and you know it's gonna hurt. You know it's gonna be hard. You know what's coming. So faith does not mean you don't see the problem. Faith means that you can see past the problem and see the miracle that's coming. That in the end, God's glory will be revealed. I don't know how, but I know what my God can do because I know who he is. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.